0: Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to
1: support your company and your employees now and in the future. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life.
0: Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from The Irish Times. Later in the show, Mark Paul of The Irish Times and Larry Bass of Shinnewill Productions discuss RTE's plea to the government for €55 million a year in additional funding to support its public service broadcasting remit. Should Pascal Donahue grant such a large increase in next month's budget? Or should RTE just simply cut its cloth to suit its measure? But first, Peter Hamilton joins me in studio to run through some of the major business stories of the week. Peter, you're very welcome. Thanks, Carol. And we are going to start with the Bernard Shaw pub in Dublin, which is going to close next month. That's Tell right. Why.
2: Closing in October, uh, the, the one in Portobello, people may be familiar with it. Um, so we don't exactly actually know why, but uh, I suppose one of the key, what appears to be the key reason, is an issue to do with planning. Last month, uh, on board, Panola refused permission for on the Bernard Shaw to operate its beer garden and its extensive dining area. Um, and that ha- was obviously a, a big issue for them. They have a significant smoking slash beer garden area mm. out the back uh, where they also have this bus.
0: Uh, with, this is the each yard, is it? Exactly, the yard. Uh, and they have the double-decker bus and they serve they pizza, serve pizza and, whatever and whatever else. All very cool and all very hipster. So there are murals around the site and so forth. Yeah. For people who aren't familiar with
2: it. Yeah, exactly. So it, as, as I said, there it is quite a kind of uh, hip place. Uh, That's kind of place it, I would imagine you'd hang well, out, Peter. I don't know how, if I am, but it, I suppose the thing was... What's uh, the point of Guinness like in there? I, I, I've only been there once and it was some time ago, so I don't know, I, I, I can't necessarily remember, but I suppose the thing was, there. it had a fairly big following and there was quite an outpouring of uh, grief. when uh, certainly was. When yeah. it, when it, I,
0: I've seen it described as iconic.
2: Yeah, that seems... Perhaps like a stretch for a, a, a business that's been in operation for thirteen years, but look, it, it was very successful and profitable. Six hundred and twenty-two grand is what it made in profit last year, uh, and you know, I suppose that that clearly is is a sign of its following. Um, Hosier was among those who who paid tribute to it and, and said that without interesting places like these, the city loses its heartbeat. Uh, we've yet to find out really from the owners what they think of it they haven't spoken publicly beyond this Facebook post where they said it was out of their hands and they thanked their landlords And uh, but look I suppose that the key of where it is it sits on a site um, it's
0: quite a large site actually. it's a
2: large site and the Burner Shaw is at the front of that and, and it's kind of key to unlocking the site so I suppose that is most that appears to be why on board Plan- Planola uh, denied them permission recently and one would have to speculate now that that site is going to be developed. Right, okay.
0: Now, uh, there's a new iPhone on the way. Sadly, they won't be able to use it in the Bernard Shaw in future, but um, Kira O'Brien uh, was on the west coast of America. She was there for the press conference. Uh, she got to touch and feel this new iPhone iteration. Um, tell us tell us what it's all about, what it's going to mean for consumers.
2: Well, one thing that was interesting to begin with was that Apple appears now to have hit its price ceiling with this new iPhone. Uh, the new iphone eleven we 're on now the pro starts at one thousand one hundred and seventy nine while the pro max is one thousand two hundred and seventy nine euro um but so, anyway, th- these new phones, what's interesting about them, they're following in the footsteps of some of their competitors like Huawei and Samsung, and they're adding in more cameras. There's three cameras now on the back of this new iPhone. But well, it's not foldable
0: because some of the other rivals
2: yeah. have gone in the foldable. That's right. That's right. Um, so, this isn't foldable, but, but it has three cameras. So, enhancements with these ultra wide lenses, the front camera has also been improved, the display has been improved, it's more waterproof. It, it is simply better. Um, it's. I don't know how innovative it is compared to previous models, um, but it, but it is an improvement. Uh, the battery life, which people would be very uh, glad to hear, I'm sure, has improved by up to five hours in, yeah. in the case of some. But still, models. would you
0: spend twelve or thirteen hundred euro on a new iPhone? I I, I suppose I would consider
2: it um, if I was getting it through Bill, which very often people are. Uh, I think I probably would consider it. I've I've had I, I currently have an iPhone which I've had now for more than three years. Uh, it's served me quite well. I, uh, and, you know, I'm quite used to it. So I suppose some people stick with what they're used to and some people get sick of one operator and move to another. Uh, and I suppose we've seen that with Samsung and, and and Apple in the past where people have moved. But look, it, it's the thing is there are entry-level models now still with Apple yeah. which are cheaper and, and, and people can get cheaper models to begin with And if oh they right. if they it, want to become lifelong fans.
0: It's not all just about the iPhone because they've introduced the seventh generation iPad as well.
2: That's right, their 7th generation iPad. It's going to cost $329. This comes with a bigger screen at 10.2 inches. The, the aim here is to get people to use this instead of a, a, a laptop, something Apple have been trying for some time now and they've added some improvements so you can use USB sticks and things like that. Um, so again, an improvement rather than extremely innovative. What, what is perhaps innovative are these new services and this new streaming platform that's going to compete with Netflix and Disney and the likes. They have significantly undercut those on price at four euro ninety nine a month, and they're going to start releasing shows from this November first November. What is Apple Arcade? Apple Arcade is a, a gaming. It's a, it's a, Apple's new gaming platform, which is also four ninety nine a month. Uh, so these are, as I say, to take down those competitors. And what's interesting is, if you buy an iPad, an iPhone, or a Mac, you get a year's subscription included. So it is really throwing down the gauntlet to the likes of Netflix. Okay. And
0: any sense of what we get on Apple TV? Because we kind of know what we get on Netflix or Amazon Prime even. Well, we, we know, for example, that they're, they've spent £6
2: billion on content. Um, so they are going to start releasing shows per month. One of the programmes is a uh, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell programme, uh, which uh, reflects a newsroom, so it might be popular to uh, us journalists. Uh, that is one original piece of content that we are going to get. I don't know what sort of back, back catalogue or films we're going to get, but there is set to be some new content given the size of their budget.
0: All right. Okay. Talking about budgets, that's a nice little uh, segue. Budget 2020, of course, coming up next month. Pascal Donoghue will be announcing uh, whatever uh, tax cuts and spending measures he has uh, in in his mind. And there has been a flurry of pre budget submissions uh, released in the past few days. Tell us about those, Peter.
2: That's right. He he doesn't have quite as much leeway as Apple, but. um, one of those budget submissions you spoke about was the American Chamber of Commerce. They called on the government to prioritise income tax cuts in the budget despite this Brexit threat. Um, this comes just after Pascal Donahue says that he's going to prepare this forthcoming budget on the basis that there will be a no-deal Brexit on October 31st. So I suppose this allows him to be quite prudent, uh, perhaps constrained in the budget. It appears likely that any giveaways will be constrained and uh, that this budget is going to stress caution. The State's fiscal watch watchdog uh, the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council has warned again that Brexit could leave a fairly significant hole in the government's budget and as such in the event of a no deal government now is expected to not cut spending or to raise taxes but instead to increase borrowing. That's what we expect at this point in time. The Minister is to update us so uh, all could change in advance of Budget Day.
0: Yeah, no, um the Fiscal Advisory Council has been warning about uh, the budget and our Uh, Fiscal prudence For a number of years And the government generally Doesn't take any notice of it That's right They tend to ignore
2: it And particularly where uh, Their warnings on Corporation tax are concerned They have consistently said That the government Should not use uh, Corporation tax To fuel spend increases Or overruns And again uh, IFAC noted that We have significant Spending overruns In health This year Uh, These need to be pulled back, they say, uh, because it's a bigger problem coming down the line.
0: Yeah, sure. OK, well, all will be revealed on October 8th, which is uh, Budget Day. Peter Hamilton, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Ciarán. We're going to take a short break now. When we return, we'll be talking about RTE and its finances. And I'll be joined by Mark Paul of The Irish Times and Larry Bass of Will Productions. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know
3: how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company
1: pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to IrishLifeEmpower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015.
0: Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Now, last week it emerged that RTE's Director General D. Forbes sent a memo to staff telling them to expect cutbacks in the short to medium term, as the station could no longer afford to continue on its current scale. Then the Sunday Independent reported that RTE had made a plea to its Regulated Broadcasting Authority of Ireland for an additional €55 million a year in funding from the government to plug its financial shortfall. This, of course, comes on the eve of Budget 2020, where the Minister for Finance will reveal any spending increases to RTE or TGCAHER, And RTE has made a loss of seven in seven of the past 10 years, it's worth remembering. So, is such an increase in funding justified? Earlier this week, Mark Paul of the Irish Times gave his view on RTE's plea for additional funding and he joins me in the studio. I'm also joined by Larry Bass, who is the founder and is uh, the head of Shinnawil Productions, one of the country's leading independent production companies and somebody who knows the inner workings of RTE and the broadcasting sector very well. Uh, Mark, first, outline to us the difficulties that RTE are currently facing.
3: Well, as you said yourself, Karen, RTE has has run a deficit in seven of the last 10 years that would have been eight, except for uh, one year uh, in 2017, it sold a slice of its land out in Montrose for uh, 107 uh, uh, million euros. Um, it's running a deficit uh, of about 13 million, uh, I think, last year, 2018. It's most recent figures that have been published. The government has given um, RT an extra 8.6 million, I think, for 2019 um but the, the 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 sort of mood music around RTÉ now is that uh, they are finalizing a a menu of cuts um to be brought forward um um sometime in October um and uh, really what RTÉ had sought from the government um was to replace the license fee with a sort of an unavoidable broadcasting charge and the government has in principle agreed to do that but it's delayed it for 5 years um, and this has caused great consternation in RTE, who obviously um, um, would look to this as a, as a means of plugging the gap now. And um, so RTE is really in a bind. And, and unfortunately for RTE and for a lot of the people that work there and a lot of the people that depend upon RTE and for their livelihoods, it seems that the organisation is gearing up for yet another major round of cuts.
0: And it's done this many, many times over the last 15, 16 years. Yeah, Larry, um, you know RTE pretty well. You've been selling uh, programmes or being commissioned. Um, to make programs for RT for many many years. What's your view on this? I mean, fifty five million euro a year—that's a lot of money. It's it's the
1: age old story of the land of a thousand cuts. You know, it's literally been going through cuts after cuts after cuts in terms of its income, its revenue streams. It doesn't help itself by the way it manages the resources it has got. Um, but you can't continue to make things today the same as you were you did. You know, last year, or the year before, or the year before, with less and less money. Whether you're baking a cake, you know, getting on a bus, flying on an airplane, going to a hospital, buying a slice pan, you don't do it for less and less and less and less every year. Yet you're expected to make television programs every year for less. The independent sector, which uh, depends on largely RTE for its its you know its income across all of the independent sector, um through um a legislation piece, there's a minimum spend. The minimum spend is 40 million euro out of all of the license fee that's collected um, or to your regulated to spend that. There was a time when they were spending 82 million euro in the independent sector. So the independent sector's cut has been over half uh, the income that it was getting. And now it's going to go down even further. And that's only one part. Um, But I think it's completely unsustainable. Um, you're now going to start seeing services disappear. Um, Which ones are going to cut first? Who knows? Will they cut the Irish language? Um, Will they cut the regional services? Will they cut correspondence? Will they cut out news? Will they sell off parts of it? You know, It really is going to have to shrink um, just to stay alive. Um, And that's our national broadcaster that reflects our everyday life, our everyday culture, um, language, and it's part of who we are. Now, you've worked with RTE.
0: There would be a perception in Media land, I must say, um, that RTE is an organisation with a lot of fat that it could, it could cut, it could remove. What's your view?
1: Like, I think a lot of uh, establishments that have been around for over 50 years probably were established at a different time and probably do need to be reestablished established um, and go through a process of change. And there's probably change required in lots of things. You look at the health service, you know, RTE is no different. I think it probably is not fit for the purpose that it needs to be moving into 2020 and beyond. Um, it is set up in 1961 um, and there are probably lots of inherited problems that need addressing. But fundamentally, they're tweaking things and their change of work practices and things that will automatically and will have to happen or people just won't survive in a modern world. And I think there are significant changes going on in there. But the cuts are coming harder, and the revenue uh, is coming much faster than the, any of the tweaks that are uh, happening. Um, for example, you, you mentioned the, the land sale. You know, The land sale is 107 million, um, of which they get about 90, because the cost of sale. But that money can only be ring-fenced for capital spend. Can't go into programming, can't come into wages and salaries. So it's not going to plug any of the gap in terms of where the, the deficits are. Um, and no, but it can
0: help it modernise its facilities and its services, which in turn.
1: Oh, uh, have I, I would an sell the whole block. I'd move everything out somewhere now, south of Nace um, and I'd get even more funds out of it and start again and say, this is the new uh, broadcaster, this is what it needs. These are the criteria it, it needs to fill. These are the people it needs to do the particular jobs and start again. That's what I'd do. Um, I'd turn it into a publisher, broadcaster. I wouldn't have it doing any production except news and current affairs. But I'm not the person who's running RTE. But I'm, one thing I do know is if it's not funded and if you, if you watch it die gradually as it is, it will die. And in today's world, in the media landscape that we all live in, it's going to disappear really rapidly it's already seen its um, share of audience drop uh, in a much faster decline than it's ever had in the previous 10 years, mm. in the recent years. Yeah, now some of that's down to the kind of
0: inevitable fragmentation that's taking place in the world we live in nowadays. You know, people are tuning into Netflix,
1: Amazon Prime, we've Apple TV yep. coming down the track, four ninety nine a month. Uh, it, and the reason why people will sign up to Apple TV or Netflix or Amazon is they'll sign up because they're getting good quality content. If RTE can't afford quality content, it's dead in the water. End of story. New paragraph. Yeah, Can I, I just put to you, I mean, the RTE staff are well paid, aren't they? Uh,
0: on, on, on average. I was doing some number yeah, crunching. Think this,
1: but again, it's just, this is the old flog the, the horse well, no, the hold on a top, top, hold on a top earners. If you
0: look, no, no. If you look at the BBC, right, in 2018, the average cost per employee, the BBC, was uh, £66,000 or €74,000. If you boil it down to just salaries and wages, take out pensions and social welfare and all that kind of stuff, the figure falls to £48,000 or €54,000. If you take RTE, the comparable figure uh, per employee, including everything, is 81500 That's 10% higher than the BBC. And if you just strip it down to salaries and wages, take out the pensions and all of that, where you can have differences, um, the difference is uh, it's a 24% difference with the BBC. And they've 1,822 staff... um, I mean, that's, that's a big gap between the BBC and the BBC is widely recognised as being probably the best public service broadcaster in the world.
1: Sure is. It also gets two billion a year from its licence fee um, and it has a range of services that, you, you know, they're similar, but there are differences. So I think like for like comparison is is not quite correct. Sure. And I, I do believe there are many parts of people in in Ortea you probably pay too much they're certainly paid more than you are in the independent sector, that's for sure. And people who work in the independent sector who then go on to work in a freelance capacity in RTE get more when they're working in RTE than in the independent sector. So there is a difference. And and these things are the things that need to be uh, fixed. But fundamentally, you know, they're they're tweaking where you're looking at an avalanche of revenue disappearing. If you don't have that, the content... That,
3: that's, that's actually not... I mean, <clears throat> sorry to go across you, Laurie. Yeah. That's actually not correct. In in like in terms of the last five years, RTE's overall top line revenue has increased by eleven point five million euros. More than half of that accounted for by license fee. Yeah, and in fact, um,
0: if you if you look at the license fee revenue last year, you'll see they made 189 million. They they uh, received 189 million license fee revenue compared to 186 in the previous year. So that was a, a 3 million gain but, from but, the but, license but, fee. RTE is
3: financially difficult. I mean, I, look, I'm a journalist. I work in the media sector. I want to see as many people employed in the media sector as possible and paid as much as they possibly can because it's good for all of us. But objectively, looking at the numbers in RTE, Um, Since 2013, when it it sort of financially stabilised from its last crisis, um, um, its revenues have actually increased um, um, over those five years steadily um, by 11.5 million euros. Um, But its uh, pay costs have increased by 20 million euros. Now, there's the cause of your deficit right there. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to see people sacked from RTE. I don't want to see people's wages cut in RTE. Um, um, But it is an objective fact that its pay bill is what's causing its difficulties and it is an objective fact that rte's revenues are rising not falling
1: and there are um legitimate reasons as well there are national pay agreements that uh, an organization like rte that is a semi-state um, have to uh, adhere to um but i think there are inevitable cuts coming now um whether the rte trade unions will will take that you know line down or you know, um, there will be industrial action to protect uh, pay claims. Um, they're also sitting on huge pension costs. Um, so there's lots and lots of parts of it. That's why I'd say I would look at a date uh, sometime down in the future and say, that's when the new organization is going to be set up this is what it needs to do, and here's I, I, here's what you'd have to I, do. To I, I, fix I completely
3: it. agree with you, I, I also would agree with you that RTE should sell the rest of Montrose, the remaining twenty-three acres or whatever. There's Lock Stock and Barrel, and move somewhere out to Blanchardstown or or City West um, or whatever it, it, it might happen to be. I mean, it's you know you, you talk about a date in the future to reset RTE. I think Larry wants to put them in Kildare. in Calder in or oh, Kildare, yeah, somewhere somewhere down past Nice, where, wherever it happens to be, somewhere with easy access to Dublin, of course, and um, because they will be. You know,
1: obviously they need to be close to the capital city for a lot well, I mean, of... You the, a lot need a studio in the city, city centre to do some, you know, political reporting, for example, up in Leinster House. But you don't necessarily need to be in the city. Um, in fact, they do have studios in Leinster House. Yeah, um, but, the, you know, they probably need... If you're mo- moving everything out and you couldn't bring, you know... Um, probably need a new studio. Yeah, you need a new studio yeah. probably in town. And, but that, that's all a part of what you would set up to actually uh, fully reflect what a new organisation would need. In fact, you probably have even better regional studios right around the country if you had the resources to capital invest because the cost of setting up a studio scenario today versus um, when they were setting it up back in the day. Sure. Look who we're sitting in today. Larry, in you know?
0: 2017, you, you you argued that the license fee should be doubled. Yep. Uh, it's currently €160. There hasn't been an increase, I think, since the beginning of 2008. Uh, now if it's double that goes to 320 euro that's going to be a bitter pill for a lot of people to have to swallow it's yep. obviously I mean if you take you know people all with low things. incomes and so forth it, it'll be it, it'll be uh, pretty difficult and it's hard to see any government uh, agreeing to an increase
1: well, all, of that sort. so you know you're now getting me onto one of my hobby horses this is the country that decided that uh, we don't have to pay for water and we don't have to pay for rubbish collection and obviously now people feel they don't have to pay for television, but the same people who don't believe they don't have to pay for television are probably paying Sky 70 to 100 euro a month for Sky. And you'll find that in the demographics of people who will retain and pay for Sky um, or another cable, Virgin Media, are probably coming from some of the most socially deprived parts of the country because television is one of the vehicles that people will spend their last dime on. You can go around uh, you know the Horn of Africa where people can't afford a house uh, but they have a satellite dish because they want to entertain themselves. Yeah, Mind you, it might be illegally plugged
0: into the electricity system and so forth. But anyway, I take your point. Um, listen, Pat Kylie and Virgin Media TV out in uh, Ballymount. He's working off a much smaller budget uh, than RTE, but they're probably punching above the weight. He certainly thinks they are. And he, you know, he would argue that RTE has a public service broadcast remit. No problem about that. But it shouldn't be in the business of paying big money for sports rights, um, for example. That should be left to the private sector.
1: And Pat would love to have all the sports rights um, to himself. And he's gobbled up a fair few of them. And RTE has not got the same amount of sport that he used to have. Um, But it is still commissioning a huge amount of Irish content. RTE 1 is primarily all Irish content. Unlike Virgin Media that has an output deal. In fact, they're ITV's biggest customer in the world. So most of the output on Virgin Media is not Irish. And any of the Irish content they have, the large majority of it is their in-house studio-based content. And it's got a hell of a lot better since Pat took over the reins and is running um, Virgin Media. And they're investing now in high-quality premium drama. And I hope they invest even more. And you will see the numbers they get for watching that for Irish audiences will go way higher and anything they can get from anything they buy and acquire from around the world. And that's the fundamental difference and reason why you need money for content. Irish people want Irish stories. Irish children should have Irish stories, but they don't. Should TG, Car- TG Car are looking for extra money as well, um, and they're
0: warning that some of their Irish language broadcasting is going to have to be curtailed if they don't get extra funding.
1: Should they get more money too? You know, you have to decide, do we want a language? Do we want to actually um, resource and... Give equal parity to the Irish language as we do to English language. Um, content costs money. It's yeah. simple as. <clears throat> now
0: I mentioned you guys are uh, among the, you know, the biggest uh, production independent production companies in the country, and you've a long list of uh, shows that have done very well. Thinking of The Apprentice, Dragons Den, Dancing with Stars, etc. In terms of RTE and in
1: terms of the work you do for RTE annually, how much are, how much work are you doing for RTE? At the moment, RTE are only customer. We're not doing anything for Virgin Media in Ireland. We are in. Um, we set up a scripted division five years ago. Very reason we set it up was uh, we were watching our world um, really shrink in terms of the available budgets to do the shows, like the ones you, you've mentioned. Dragons Den ran for eight years, it, and every single year the budget of that show was reduced by seven percent. That's the way we watched. The, the, the cuts happen, and eventually it came to a point where you know it was over um and the apprentice was launched at a time when the Irish economy was booming, and we watched the economy slide of the show that was primarily funded through product placement and sponsorship of course that was on t v three as yeah. well um and you know we've so we 've seen a cycle of of available funds to make high quality um programs programs that could be compared with the best of the u k output. Uh, so we're always benchmarked against what's on BBC or ITV or Channel 4. That's why Irish content is actually, for the money that's spent in Ireland, is very high quality. If you look at French TV, German TV, Italian TV, where they've got way more money to invest, the quality of the content is much lower because they've got language to protect them. So we don't have that. We're up against some of the best. I believe UK TV is far superior than even the US TV, with the exception of some of the studio output in drama, um, general television in in the US, in network television, the quality is pretty mediocre. Yeah, it can be
0: hard to watch, all right, uh, whenever you visit the US. Uh, Mark, would you be prepared to pay more on the licence fee? I think the difficulty with doubling the licence
3: fee for RTE from €160, Euros, I know I know it's just a, an idea double, like, you know, you want an increase, but if you were to double it from €160 Euros to €320, Euros, Ireland would be an outlier in Europe in terms of well, the cost of really. our licence fee. Only the Scandinavian countries. Only I think Switzerland, th- Switzerland as well. Interestingly, in Italy, it's 90 euros.
0: In the past year or 18 yeah, months... Not a lot of
1: people paid it in Italy.
0: In the past year or 18 months, they had a referendum in Sweden on the... Switzerland. Li- in Switzerland, sorry, on the licence fee, and they voted to keep it. Although they reduced the cost. I think it was over 400 euros. They reduced it. But uh, nonetheless, they voted to keep it, which was interesting.
3: But, yeah. but like Ireland would be an outlier in terms of the UK, where I think it's £154 for a colour TV license. It's it's much less than that. If you have a black if anyone's got a black and white telly still. But again, you
1: know, it's a country of over sixty million people. Sure. So it's it's that's the problem when you're looking at a country of this size and scale. But 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 there's a social contract there with people like I mean what RTE
3: have sought is for a, a, a license fee based upon televisions to be replaced with an unavoidable broadcasting charge. And there are, there are very strong arguments for that. But Maybe in five years' time. Maybe in five years' time. But that's, uh, people, that, it doesn't matter if you own a TV or not, it, it effectively turns it into a tax, right? Um, and RTE would like it to be tacked on to, to utility bills so that it's completely unavoidable. If you were to do both of those things and double the license fee as well, I think the contract between RTE and Irish people would change somewhat. Um, I mean, like, that's a, that's a lot to ask for, for people to bear, especially in an era... Like, RTE has been through lots of financial crises, and I think that's one of the reasons why the government is looking at it now and saying, guys, sort out your own problems. We're not just going to keep um, dipping into the pocket. I know the licence fee hasn't been increased since 2008, but RTE had a massive financial crisis in 2002, 2003. It had another one in 2009. It stabilised for just two years, 2013 and 2014, and here we are. It slid back into this mess again, and and it's it's you know again it's its cost base that has caused its troubles. That's arguably its cost base has caused all its troubles, not not revenue problems but cost problems.
0: Yeah, Larry, you're a businessman. You've been in business now for a long time, and um, there are some harsh economic uh, realities at play here as well. They're looking for an increase of 55 million euro a, a year. That's like one sixth of Their current uh, income, I mean, that's just not going to happen. There's no government that's going to give them that kind of money.
1: And they're going to have to cut costs, which means they're going to have to cut services, which means that the Irish public will have less for the license fee that they are paying. Even if you collected the license fee off the people who should be paying it, you would generate over half that money. Mm. We have a system at the moment that's so. The contract has been put out to tender. It's been held but for, it's, by, for It years, will be five impulse. years before they're going to do anything about it. That's what they've actually said. Now, you know, any government policy—if you wait five years to do anything—you know, can you just imagine um, if you, you know, did any crisis that the country is looking at? And this is a crisis. It might be a very high priority crisis in some people's books, but it is a crisis. Um, you know, if you looked at, you know, work, fixing the homeless crisis or the health services or education, Brexit and said, let's just let's just wait and see and do something in five years. I mean, it's the classic case of kicking the can as far down the road as you possibly can. Um, and for me, what's going to happen is RTU will disappear. It'll get so um, non-consequential because it'll have no money to do high-quality programming. Nobody will be watching it. Um, and the people who will miss it most are That's the politicians of the day. a pretty apocalyptic
0: scenario. I mean, it's hard to imagine... And Ireland, a modern day Ireland without RTE. I mean, I, you know, I take your point about they're going to have to come back on some services, but n- nonetheless, people still tune into the late late uh, in their droves uh, uh, every Friday evening. They still tune into. They still tune in to up, up for the match. Let's say on the eve of an All Ireland final, that format hasn't changed. I'd say ever. They still tune in in lar- very rose large. In, in rose of in very large numbers to uh, uh, Radio One. Um, every morning even though some of the personalities have uh, changed over the years I mean nothing much has changed on that front the audiences are still great they're still fantastic they still got the lion's share of the audience in
1: Ireland yeah but they you know RT2 is struggling badly um, and RT1 is at, at you know at different parts of its schedule not competing there are highlights we, you know we do Dance with the Stars it's working very well. Room to improve works very well. Fair City works very well. The main even news works very well. So there's lots of peaks and troughs within the schedule. But if it's going to sustain, if it's going to attract more uh, commercial revenue and be able to be a function in business, it needs to A, arrest the, the decline in its share, audience share. B, it needs to fix its cost base. And and C, it needs to have the type of revenue to make content that compete with the best in the world, at least as good as the competition. So if your competition is Virgin Media, that's getting the ITV output and what it can afford in itself, Netflix, Sky, you know, these are the, some of the biggest and most powerful, um, you know, content. I won't call them broadcasters because they're not anymore. Uh, content um, operators in the world with the biggest budgets in the world. And some of those shows are made here, but they're made for global audiences.
0: Yeah, Mark?
3: RTÉ has one really, really, really difficult problem facing it over the next um, um, six, seven weeks. Whenever this, you know, review and this menu of of, of cut options comes out, and, and, and here's where I'd sort of, uh, swing in behind Larry in terms of I do think it's a big threat to its programming budget. Last year, was last year, year before, RTE sought about 300 voluntary redundancies. It only got about 140 or 150 voluntary, right? And um, So if they go back in for cuts again and if it's headcount reductions and they can't get the numbers on a voluntary scheme, they don't have the cash to pay for a more attractive voluntary scheme. The question arises, Would would a state or a semi-state organisation even dare, dare to go near compulsory redundancies? I don't think that's possible for RTE. I don't think it's possible. I don't think any of the trade unions, whether they're RTE unions or not, any trade unions with employees and any semi-state business, um, and they'd all roll in behind RTE. They could never allow that principle of compulsory redundancies to come in. It's just... it's, just, it's you, you would never have compulsory redundancies in a state company. It would be a sea change in industrial relations in this country. So, if they can't get the numbers voluntarily, um, um, maybe um, you know there are some ugly decisions coming for to pro programming budget, um, and, and you know you would fear for its output in, in in that sort of a scenario. But it's a it's a really really difficult um, um, a, a conundrum facing the organisation. And again, we go back to this um, huge asset they're sitting on, um, and probably worth two hundred million. What they're sitting on at Um they had thirty three acres. I think they sold about nine acres, sort of whatever that is, quick maths, uh, 23, 24 acres left. Um, 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 Sell that to property developers, um, um, uh, providing it's not too late to do it. Go somewhere out beyond the M50, build a brand new digitally focused organisation from the ground up with the sort of studios you need and built with the sort of efficiencies that you need in mind um instead of sprawled across this old 50 something year old campus uh, in in Dublin 4 um hope that reduces your cost base and and just try and begin some sort of a new era for RTÉ yeah,
1: and, and that that'll you know be part of the start of um our, you know revitalizing it but it'll still need on an annual basis a a budget for content that can compete in a much richer field of content. Yeah, the,
3: the extent to which I suppose it, 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 it must or it should be paid from public funds to compete. I mean, there's probably varying views in that. I understand. I mean, you're a programme maker. I, I don't know how to make television programmes. You want to make the best in the world and compete with the best in the world. But, you know, you pointed out that we're only a small country of five odd million people. Is it feasible? You often hear in Ireland, you know, we should be the best in the world, this and the best in the world, that. Is it feasible for a country of five million people to produce a swathe of original content that stands up with stuff produced by HBO, by BBC, by some of the biggest broadcasting organisations in the world.
1: Well, we do. And there's many shows that Irish, you know, programmes that are exported around the world, and they do stand Mm. up in different genres. You know, our news and current affairs output, Mm. we're one of the few countries in the world where you still have a high quality news and current affairs in prime time Mm. because it's so good. And Irish people are well served that. Uh, and, and, and
3: you'd have to think that programmes like that would be protected in any sort of a in any sort of a cuts. But then you kinda of think about well, where 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 would the axe fall? Where would the cuts fall in RTE if they were doing it? I mean, if D Forbes has to make these cuts, where is she going to make them?
1: You know, there's they've two orchestras. that have got um, well, they've, they've been hit, trying to get rid
0: of the orchestras for for years to so sort of gently nudge them out the front door for years, haven't they? I mean, what about the top ten earners? Uh, because
1: you know everybody looks at that. There's a well, market forces should defi- de- define um, salaries, and and a lot of if you know the ones that get rolled out every year as the top ten or the top twenty or whatever, a lot of them are are contracted employees rather than employees of RTE. Um, But right across the whole spectrum of people who earn their living in RTE, whether you're an employee or a contractor, you know, market forces will dictate and should dictate what people get paid. One thing's for sure. There are very few people working in in the independent sector who would ever come near any of the salaries that are Absolutely. advertised. I mean, who who is going to poach uh,
0: Ryan Troubledy or pay more than RT are paying him or Ray Darcy or Joe Duffy?
1: You know, there was a uproar years ago when Pat Kenny, who was earning a hell of a lot more than RT have
0: done just fine with him. Sean O'Rourke has done just fine in that slot and, and the audience is so held up very nice.
1: Sean paid for this year and if he went to Today FM, you know, what would that do for them or if you went to News Talk or whatever. I, who
0: knows where people Sure, but go. I think News Talk's in a different place now than it was when it poached uh, Pat Kenny. I, I don't think they're going out with those kind of uh, checks anymore. But just we've got to wrap up this conversation. I want to talk to Larry on a couple of quick things. First of all, do you think they'll get a licence fee increase uh, in the budget or uh, some additional uh, funding?
1: No, I don't think, I think uh, unfortunately, the can's been kicked down the road um, and you're going to continue to see a slide in services and cuts coming. And I think you could see, you know, for the first time in a long time, industrial action um, in RTE. And, you know, whilst you may have had industrial action in lots of services in Ireland in the the bad old days of the 70s and 80s, you know, whether it was the ESB or RTE, we did have strikes in semi-states. But today, if you have a strike and you're off air, you're not going back on air and you're not going to get that audience back. Yeah. Finally,
0: uh, Sinoel, I think, is 20 years old um, this year. Yeah. What's, what's new with you guys? Drama.
1: <laughs> um, what are you working on at the minute? We've just wrapped on a drama series. It's a, our first drama series. It's a show called Miss Scarlet and the Duke. It's for a and um, Networks, for a US network, in co-production with a company in Los Angeles called Element 8. So it's a, it's a story of a private eye in Victorian London, all shot uh, in and around Dublin. And I more studios. All right. I think I might, I might have uh, seen some of the shooting. Was it off Pierce Street? We did a bit off Pierce Street. We were in, up in King's Inn. We were in Henrietta Street. I thought street. I'd walk we back were,
0: in time. I was walking down the yeah. street and there was this set. Uh, Dublin
1: is a fantastic location for uh, period drama because, you know, people forget that Dublin was the second city of the Empire. If you want to actually shoot something in Victorian London today, it doesn't exist anymore. So it's actually, we're, we're you know, bring it on. Ripper Street was here. Right. Penny Dreadful was here. So, guess you know, new drama. What's your budget for it? I couldn't possibly divulge. You can tell us anything, um, Larry. You know that you can yeah, tell yeah, us absolutely anything. Put, it's a, you know, it's not cheap. Um, but it's not, you know, as ex, as expensive as some of the really, really big, um, Sky or HBO shows. It's it's a very big budget for uh, European standards, but it, you know, period drama is hugely expensive. The great thing about it is. Every single dollar has been spent here in Ireland. Um, there was, you know, a couple of hundred people working on that show for nearly 20 weeks. Um, you know, the costumes are all handmade by a um, uh, fantastic costume team here. You know, everything from hair, makeup, the sets, any of the, the built architecture we're using with, you're the build all around it. So your craftspeople working on getting that ready for weeks and months. You know, Ireland, as part of Creative Ireland, which is a government initiative, Uh, The fourth pillar is to make Ireland a centre of excellence for film and television content. It's a huge opportunity to build a business that is a global business. Um, The funny thing is, in all of the recession talk, in all of the years, the one sector in the world that's continued to grow is entertainment. So no matter how bad recession has been, um, with growing populations in the world, with more um, income being generated by more jobs right around the world, people want to spend more on entertainment. And thankfully, film and television is still one of the areas yeah. people want to it spend it on. But not a an awful lot more dross being made? Not your programmes, obviously.
0: But uh, Netflix have such a huge appetite for content and Apple now will will Have, I think it's six billion or something they're going to spend. Um, Amazon Prime are spending a fortune. That's in addition to BBC and HBO and all the usual players in the market. I mean, it
1: can't be all good content, there must be an awful lot of you rubbish. know, just change is coming. Um, and you know, one thing that and, and that's why I passionately want to support Irish content. All of those over, over the top platforms Amazon, Disney, Hulu, uh, Netflix, HBO. They're all American, you know. But you get to watch stuff from all over the world that like you'd never get a chance to watch.
3: Otherwise, I just finished watching a, a, an Israeli series about Haridi Jews called and yeah. um, which has been a, a world It's an amazing show, absolutely brilliant. You know, before Netflix and all of these uh, kind of uh, platforms, you never would have gotten a chance to sort of have that sort of a cultural exchange. Yeah, and,
1: and look, US uh, audiences would never have watched a show with subtitles before Narcos. Mm. And now, you know, uh, shows from right around the world are getting shown on different channels, mainly cable or or OTTs. I watched
3: a cracking Korean horror movie the other night. But
1: the the issue is... Insight into Mark's uh, viewing But they're starting to shrink in terms of what they're actually looking for. And for uh, Irish, you know, stories, if we want our, our lives to be reflected, if you want your children to be watching Irish stories in the next 10, 15, 20 years there has to be some resource to to pay for it. And that's why, you know, I, I think we can compete. I think we can do as good as any of the best in the world. Um, but we do need to be able to resource it. And it's not all resource out of here. We have a lot of shows in our slate, some supported by RTE, some supported by Screen Ireland. Um, and we've got French distributors, UK partners. We're going out to a global marketplace to try and fund content, to bring it all back and spend it here. Um, and, you know, it's... It's a very rich time to be trying to create those types of stories. Um, Irish, you know, music, Irish dance, Irish uh, films have punched way above our weight for for centuries. We're a country that has uh, continued its culture through songs and Mm. stories, not through the patronage of, you know, wealthy individuals or governments into sculpture or paintings in museums and art galleries like in Italy or UK. For 800 years, we didn't have any investment in our... Culture, you know, but this country was born out of a, a Gaelic league who are trying to, you know, protect the language, invest in Irish sport, Irish culture. And we we grew a country out of that. And I think the danger is if we don't continue to invest in it in a in an English speaking world, it's going to become even more Anglified in a world that where identity and national identity is is critically stretched. Um, If you want to actually really invest in who we are and actually, uh, you know, be part of something, we have to pay for it. And, you know, it it is painful, um, but we we can find funding models that work. I said um, double the license fee. But what I meant was it's so below where it should be. It could justifiably be doubled. I don't expect it to be doubled. But if you keep cutting it by 7 or 10% year on year, if you look at even um, not being protected against CPI um, on all those years, it's effectively just being cut every single year. Yeah. And that's just one part of the funding model. All right. Well, listen, we'll see where it goes. We'll know on
0: October 8th when Pascal Dunahoo announces his budget as to whether RTE or indeed TG Car are going to get any money. Uh, Larry, we wish you continued success with Shinna you know Will. Uh, my thanks also to Mark Paul. Um, thank you both for joining Thank you. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Peter Hamilton, Larry Bass and Mark Paul. Jennifer Ryan produced the show with JJ Vernon, as sound engineer. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.